0: Tommy, this is not a vacation for
1: me. I'm out here against my will, so the least you can do is pretend to
2: work. Ugh, I can actually hear you getting fatter. All right, it's sale time, so remember, we don't take no for an answer. No. Okey-dokey. I'm gonna pass.
3: Gotcha, thanks. Oh, son of a... That's gonna leave a mark.
2: Okay, let's check you out. (laughs) <laughs> it's a clip box <laughs> you sure
1: uh, hello everyone welcome to the granite mountain movie Club uh, i am your host i go by granite animal, isn't he, uh the the devil didn't want this episode to happen we, there was lots of uh lots of back and forth and scheduling drama but but we've got here and i think it's because it's so important that 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 we had all that uh all that opposition um but this is a show where we talk about movies and today we're talking about Tommy Boy from 1995, kind of a classic. You've probably seen Tommy Boy. Today, I'm joined by Cool Frazier.
3: Yes, hello. I'm cool and also listening.
1: Uh, we've got uh, Degree Studies.
2: Hello, everyone.
1: And we've got a first-time guest, uh, Scott. Uh, anything you want to plug, Scott? What should the people know about about you?
0: Yeah, um, first time here. Um, I'm I'm cool and I'm usually listening, but I'm here now. I uh, go by Scott um, on Twitter and elsewhere. Um, I also have a a podcast called the history and music podcast where we uh, choose songs with historic lyrics and talk about history. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I went on, I went on history and music podcast one time. I didn't understand the concept that well, so I kind of goofed it up, but, but it's still cool. It was still a really good episode. I'm sure. So, yeah,
0: I mean we're not we're not super strict about yeah, like, the concept.
1: Where where does mine rank in the popularity of your episodes? Is it is it the most popular or only like second most popular?
0: <laughs> I haven't looked in a while, but
2: yeah, it's like way up there.
1: <laughs> I I would be I I wouldn't be surprised if it was actually like the worst, but well, uh, I
2: still got to come on to talk about Hurricane. I think we we chatted about that. Oh, were you going to talk about the ago?
1: Hurricane movie and the Hurricane Bob Dylan song?
2: Yeah, cuz like he's definitely guilty.
1: That's that's what that's what I think too. <laughs> Let's do
2: it. Um I I haven't recorded an
0: episode in like months now. We've been I've been cut, it's kind of fallen off for a bit, but uh yeah, we'll totally have you on. Um
1: and I think we have some sponsors for today as well. Uh so before we get into the movie, we, we got to uh you know, we got to pay the bills. Um you know uh cool fraser's in charge of handling our relationships with the uh, sponsors what what do we have today
3: uh hold on i'm sending <laughs> you the uh, ad copy oh the ad copy yeah i'll be i'll be narrator oh you're gonna you're gonna read
1: it you you be oh, host oh, i'll parts. be narrator there's okay. yeah there's
3: two parts to this ad oh, copy wow. for some reason this okay. is a very picky uh advertiser
1: Okay. Yeah. And they, they're paying, they're paying big bucks. So we have to read the whole thing. Um, Okay. Uh, Hey, tech enthusiasts, get ready for an exciting announcement. Have you ever dreamed of diving into the world of artificial intelligence and machine learning? Well, it's time to turn those dreams into reality.
3: Introducing Shaolin AI Bootcamp, kicking off on January 29th. Elevate your tech skills, Master Python, delve into advanced AI technologies, and shape your
1: future in just 24 weeks. Whether you're a beginner or looking to advance your skills, Shaolin AI Bootcamp is designed for you. Join a community of tech enthusiasts and learn from industry experts.
3: From foundational Python to cutting-edge technologies like GPT and computer vision each week is a
1: step towards your future tech career. Hands on projects, real world applications and a transformative learning experience await you. This is not just a course, it's a journey to becoming a tech innovator.
3: Sign up today and kick off your AI journey with Shaolin AI Bootcamp starting January 29th. Don't miss out on this opportunity to revolutionize your tech skills. Visit Shaolin it, AI it, bootcamp. It's just
1: Shaolin.ai. <laughs> oh, okay. Visit Shaolin.ai to secure your spot. Shaolin AI boot camp where your tech future begins.
2: That's good. Granted, how much is Shaolin kicking you for this? Uh, this uh, this ad arrangement.
1: I gave him a really good discount. This was only thirty grand. Oh hey. nice.
0: Yeah. That's why it's so long and repetitive, I guess. <laughs> I, I assume wh- whoever that was definitely wrote it by hand.
1: Yeah, it wasn't
0: written by AI for sure.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we have another sponsor, and um, this is—I don't know if you guys have heard of this company. There, it's really—it's kind of—it's uh, kind of in stealth mode right now. I don't know if you guys know that term. It's like a tech term, uh, but uh, you know, there's some scientists in Scandinavia who've been working on a product called Chrome. Oh, oh, wait—I've heard of this. Oh, you've heard of Chrome. Well, um, it's a, a cutting-edge lineup of uh, men's grooming products designed specifically, and wait, wait for this, specifically for you. Um, for me? Yeah, yeah. Guys just like you. Kroom's mission is to make sure every, uh, every man has the tools he needs to look and smell fresh.
3: Wait, I'm a swarthy Mediterranean man. Surely it can't work for me.
1: Oh, it can. You know, the guys at Kroom understand the challenges of the modern man, uh, and their products are made just for you. Uh, want to attract women, overcome your self-abuse habit, or have more confidence on those Zoom calls? Kroom is for you. So you guys got some early samples. What did you think?
2: Oh, I, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, as you guys know, I'm a bit of an old Troon, and I slapped <laughs> some of that stuff off, and I was looking, uh, I was looking exactly like a new fag, so I was... <laughs> So excited about it! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm
3: I'm a bit of a, a self abuse Zoom enthusiast. So you know, on Zoom, always self abusing. So I used it, and it totally cured me of that.
1: Yeah, it's not it's not out yet for the general public, but but we all got a sneak peek. It's really good.
3: Yeah, and all, I got
1: that
0: uh, the uh, retention glow that you just can't get without without the crewm.
1: Yes. Yeah. It's like um, it's like you successfully completed NNN, if you know what I mean, every day.
2: And I heard, granted, I was just looking around on Twitter, you know, doing my normal digital rounds. And I think I saw that Kamala Harris was following the Kroon account. Is that right?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think she's a she via her husband, she might be an early uh, backer of Kroon.
2: Okay. Does their Isn't... NB daughter use Chrome, or this is exclusively <laughs> a, a male thing?
1: This is only for men, but you know, what is it? You know, strong enough for uh, a woman, or strong enough for a man? Made for a woman? This is strong enough for a man and made for a man. Word. All right, coming soon, Chrome. You guys watch out for it. Um, but okay, let's get into uh, let's get into Tommy Boy. And I'll I'll ask you guys about your early your early exposure to Tommy Boy, but I'll, I'll go first and just say uh, I might have seen this in the theater. I don't remember, but I know I saw it very shortly after it came out because um, because everyone did, and um, it seemed like every kid, every like teenage boy or something, knew like all the lines from Tommy Boy, um. And so, yeah, I, I have a very vivid memory of this movie. Uh, it played a big part of my, of my teen years. And, uh, and I hadn't revisited it for a while, so it was good to revisit it recently for this. Uh, what about you guys?
2: Yeah, I remember my, uh, one of my mom's good friends, for some reason, I don't know, I guess she babysat us sometimes, and she took me to this movie and uh, I remember really liking it. I was probably a little young, but the main thing I remember is when we came out of the movie, she was like, Evan, do you know what Marquette is? And I was like, no. And she's like, Marquette is an okay school. I don't know why they'd agree to be in this movie. And like, I had no idea what she was talking about, but that has stuck with me over the years.
3: I, I didn't know Marquette was involved until rewatching it this time. Um yeah, I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but this was a ubiquitous movie for sure. Um, you know, saying Herbie Hancock was the funniest thing you could do. <laughs>
1: um I didn't even get I didn't even get that joke when I saw the movie, but we still Yeah, I thought it was a Herbie funny Hancock. name. Yeah.
3: Um yeah, and then like Luke, I am your father into the fan. That that was invented by this movie, I think.
1: I'm doing it into the fan. <laughs>
3: Yeah, uh, but when I was a kid in my group of friends, we were all uh, the same age in the same neighborhood. And uh, the, all my friends called me Chris Green, a combination of Chris Farley and Tom Green, oh. <laughs> the two funniest people in the late 90s. So that, that is,
1: That's a huge compliment. Right I there. thought you were going to yeah. say Seth Green. No, not Seth
3: Green. Tom Green. Uh, yeah, which is just a funny, uh, you know, look back at what where the culture was, but uh, uh, yeah. So I and I, I was always a big kid, not like a whole big old fat kid, but I was bigger, and so uh, um,
1: tastefully rotund.
3: Which I know Chris Farley's not uh, tall, but but yeah, tastefully large, and uh, so you know everyone was like, "Dude, you're just like Chris Farley." And I was like, I
0: am just like Chris Parker. (laughs) That was like the coolest thing to be. So, um, I, I first saw it. Yeah. Probably similar late nineties, I think around, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Late nineties. I remember the first time seeing it though was I was on a family vacation with like all my cousins. Um, and there was tons of us and we all watched it one night and, uh, it was like the fun, funnest night of my life. I remember um, it was the, the part where um, David Spade pulls the car door off and he's like, what'd you do? We, I think we rewound that and watched it like 12 times. It was the funniest thing in the world.
1: Okay. That's a good, that's a good jumping off point because I wanted to ask about like, does the humor in this movie, like if you were to see this today for the first time, would you think it was funny?
2: There's definitely parts that are funny, but it's more what the movie did for me watching it today was like, it's more like cozy. Like, I just like how it's sweet. I like the presentation of America. I like like the relationship of Tommy boy to his father and the work. Like, I'm trying to think like, how many times did I lull? The thing is, like, I probably only really laughed out loud like five or six times but that's better than contemporary comedies for the most part. So like, to me that's still registered as like a funny movie, but there's other movies like old school or something where I can remember seeing it in college where I was like, you know, really like laughing, laughing the whole time. And this movie isn't really like that. It's more just like sweet and fun. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's always hard to, it's always hard to analyze this from the perspective of already, you know, in, in a, in a post Tommy Boy world, it's hard to like go back and say, well, would this kind of comedy be funny if I was just seeing it for the first time now? Uh,
2: but I think when I saw it when I was 11, it was the funniest shit in the world. Like, I think I was running around yelling, holy schnikes, and we were doing <laughs> Fat Guy in a Little Coat. Like, I think we thought everything Chris Farley did was really because he had a period I at least remember very distinctly. That he had like a Will Ferrell esque period where just like everything he said, his cadence and physicality would make me laugh as a little kid. And like I don't, I don't have that response to him anymore, but I remember it.
1: Yeah. There's like definitely a, there's a crown sort of thing. And he had the crown for like part of that, part of the mid nineties. And then, yeah, it did, it does seem like it went to Will Ferrell.
3: Yeah. I was, um, watching it and yeah it's definitely like the parts that were the funniest thing in the world when i was a kid are definitely not the funniest thing ever anymore um but it is very much like you know trying to put mainly chris farley in his comedy zone where he can do physical comedy and kind of say crazy stuff and i think a lot of that still holds up but like how like i feel like physical humor doesn't necessarily hit as hard the second time you see it right like seeing a guy fall down twice is not as funny as the first time i guess but yeah. um but i feel like there is stuff that really goes well and it's 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 a lot of the the setup so like uh i don't know like when they they're pretending to be uh stewardesses what is it? what's the proper term flight
1: attendants stewards i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
3: and uh like that that's i think some of that stuff is still funny and like and works but but yeah it's definitely not you know him singing i'm a maniac being covered in in mud and getting squirted with a hose
0: yeah, that's, yeah that's honestly funny watching watching it as an adult i think i thought uh um what's his face uh Uh, david spade was the funnier one as an adult like um chris farley i loved as a kid it's very simple easy to laugh at um but yeah i think i think yeah like the the quippy the more comedian style stuff that david spade did was was funnier well and they play well together which is i
3: think kind of almost like the point of the movie in Mm -hmm. a way well
0: yeah that's yeah, that's the other thing i wanted to say is that uh this the movie doesn't never existed in a in a vacuum right like you came into it knowing who Chris Farley and David Spade were Um, even back when it first came out, like everyone knew he was a big star, at least a TV star. And so like, they knew he was like, he played the whole fatty fall down thing. So you're just waiting for it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, they had uh, Farley had been on SNL for like four or five years at that point when this came out and S and Saturday night live as an institution mattered a lot back then. Um, now like name a name a cast member uh black woman
2: <laughs>
1: can you guys name a cast member i'm i can't is keenan thompson still on
2: i think Probably. he is i know the uh, the weekend update that guys it's colin jost and michael okay, che, right? colin but, and right?
1: chay okay i knew those two but yeah like, i know
2: chay I, R- re- I
1: thought i thought keenan finally retired he has the record as longest running
2: there's a gay team. chinese guy i know that Yeah, we got we got black
1: woman, gay Chinese guy, the kid from all we got we got two. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, but but back back then we could have named
2: Pete Davidson a cast member.
1: Pete's been off for like five years, four like three or four years.
2: Oh I didn't know that.
1: But back then there was like you back then if we were having this conversation, we could have named like nine cast members or like ten. Like we could have named them all. Um but yeah, it's like it's obviously like a failed institution now. But uh...
2: the the other thing I wanted to say about it being funny is, do you guys think I remember as a kid, just like very fat people in movies being implicitly hilarious by itself? And I don't know if that was a kid thing or it was like because I it makes sense to me that like kids find very fat people funny. But today, are there too many fat people for that to be a viable source of comedy?
1: Um, probably yeah i think for two yeah two reasons for one being that like it's now it's become like a political sort of interest group like you know the fat people lobby but also uh but also yeah there's just so many that there's like seeing tommy boy this is actually a good p- point to bring up roger ebert he hated he hated tommy boy and he put it on his like most hated list and some speculation was just because like he he just like felt like, he just like felt attacked right he's like I don't like all these fat jokes like I'm a fat guy and so now back then you might have had like one in ten or one in 20 viewers going to the theater and being like uncomfortable but now you'd have like 50 60 percent are like this is this is it feels like an attack on me
0: yeah and and uh, the movie what didn't get very much critical success and I think a lot of it stemmed from Ebert just not liking fat jokes and then yeah. giving, it a, giving it like a one star and then everyone else kind of doggy piling.
2: Is that true? It didn't do well. Cause in my mind, it's like a Pantheon comedy, but well,
0: I... critically it didn't, I, I think it was like number one for a while. Like it, it was, was,
1: it was, it was, was like, number one. I think the week it came out, um, but maybe only that week it made money, but it wasn't like a, he it was, it's cost 20 and it made like 32. Um, and it was, a uh, but I guess that was considered a success and, uh, and then, it, but then it was one of the most popular like VHS rentals of all time. So,
0: yeah. yeah.
3: That, I think that was, also, that was thanks
1: to me mostly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely rented it a few times, but I, I think part of the humor and the quotability uh, side of this is um, there was no TikTok. So, like, now, if there's a funny part of a movie, it just gets put into a meme, and you see it all the time. Yeah. But, like, you couldn't do that for movies back in the day, so, like, you had to quote it to your friends and act it out. Yeah. That's how you did a TikTok.
1: Yep. Yes, you had to perform each one each consumers Zoomers
0: are going to be so mad at this part. <laughs> I know, that, that was actually something I was going to bring up, is, like, it's, like... I assume we're it's just four four millennials right now that we're like all in the sweet spot for this movie so anyway. Yeah
1: and it's a, I think it's important too to to point out like we um we were all kind of in our younger teens it sounds like when it came out but but like older teens and just older particularly males liked it a lot too like it wasn't just like the kid it wasn't just appealing to like 13 year olds it was probably appealing to like mid 30s as well
3: Well well that's what I'm saying like kind of like reenacting the parts of the movie for your friends would be funny. like You know, like f- falling down or being like, not here or here so much, but right here. Like mm-hmm. you could laugh at that because there's like a physicality to it, you know? Yeah. Whereas like that doesn't, th- there's not the same draw to doing that when you can just YouTube the clip and be like, hey, look at this.
1: Yeah. Another, another old head moment, but like regarding the critical stuff, back then like you read your local newspapers critic and that's like the only critic you saw well yeah i was
3: gonna say i don't even remember a critic response to it i just remember that it was the funniest movie
1: and they didn't even necessarily give like letter grades or scores they would just like you just like read like eight paragraphs of like their commentary on the movie but people might not people didn't take them seriously and you couldn't go to rotten tomatoes and be like oh this is a 40 percent like you just like if it looked cool you'd go see it
0: yeah and it was mostly word of mouth like Yeah. Yeah. As a kid, especially, obviously I didn't care about critics.
1: Um, Yeah. People maybe read the New York times critic and then their local paper. And that's like, they didn't have like a big consensus thing. So degree studies, you hit on something about the movie being like cozy and um, that, that leads to another question I had, which is like, do, does the story in these, in, in this movie matter Uh, for some SNL movies, which this technically was not an SNL movie, which we can get into, but for some of them, the story absolutely does not matter. But for this one, do you think it does?
2: I think so. Yes. I actually, I mean, I don't know that I would have connected with any of this when I was young. Um But I think it creates like an atmosphere. That's nice. But I actually think the movie is like pretty thematically interesting. Like, um, I was thinking about there's lots of movies where there's, like, an heir apparent king, you know, like a prince mm-hmm. uh, who's about to take over the kingdom. And, like, the two archetypes I'm familiar with for that sort of setup is, like, there's the totally incompetent, uh, like, entitled son, who the sort of, you know, the people he rules over are, like, scared. And then there's, like, the perfect, obviously capable Prince, And I think it's pretty interesting that it's like Tommy's Tommy Jr is kind of an idiot, but people sort of like him because he grew up with them. And they're like, they're all sort of like giving him a shot to get more competent. And then like through working with, you know, David Spade, who has more experience at the company, and even like the girl he's seeing who sort of explains things about shipping and stuff to him. It's like he's they sort of give him a chance because of his good naturedness, and he, uh, you know, he in- he increases his capacity over the course of the movie. And I think that's like a that's sort of like an interesting uh, idea for a character. And I was trying to think of other movies like where they they sort of portray the air that way, and I couldn't think of any. But I think that's like an interesting setup. It's also interesting that you know there's so many movies where the David Spade character would be like. And they hint at this somewhat that, you know, David Spade would be like, I'm the one who put in the hours and actually, like, learn things from your dad. And, like, you're just showing up. And they do have a fight where he sort of says that. But, like, ultimately, David Spade is, is happy to assist in, like, training the heir to take over the kingdom. And that's also sort of interesting. Like, usually movies would sort of take that conflict to a more dramatic place, you know, have them face off. For control of the the empire or whatever, whereas in this he's just like, and that's sort of what I mean by cozy. Like, yeah, the movie has all these solutions where it's like people by being decent or like knowing their role in a community can sort of resolve some of these problems and like it all works out. So that's right. A- I, I I did. I was very struck, and maybe it's just because I'm like retarded and right wing and old and uh, like a sad person, but I was very like crying tears for America watching this movie. Like, yes, you could just have a small town and like some some fat idiot family can like fight for the jobs and keep them. Like I don't know. It was like affecting yeah. me a little bit. I know I'm babbling on here, but
1: well that point you well, made about the power struggle, um the initial the initial script actually there was no David Spade. It was actually just Farley and um uh was it Rob Lowe. And then, and mm-hmm. I think in the original script they were natural brothers, just they were biological brothers, and there was some sort of power struggle for the company. That was the original version for them. Yeah. They-
0: well, well, to to go on, uh, degree with what you were saying. That I have in my notes, very similar um, kind of breakdown of like a, a kingdom and a benevolent ruler, and then um, like. But but I think that the, another interesting part that you kind of touched on is that they know their place kind of in the in the kingdom, where Chris Farley he has like inheritable like aristocratic traits that that he got from his father that nobody else has basically right he, he's he he inherited it from his father and nobody else can do what he's doing because he is the like the the prince the the. Um, to be king or whatever um so i think that's a an interesting angle as well that you don't you don't see very much um i mean maybe you do with like chosen one type movies but um this one is like very much a like family line like it's one of my favorite scenes is when they go past all the um all the past um uh, ceos or whatever of the of the company and the, and the last one is his aunt I think it's just Chris Farley and Drag or something. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, and there's that scene when there's they have the little succession crisis and they're in the boardroom and there's that guy, there's like that one guy who believes in Tommy and he and it's like it all just comes down to like he is he's mm-hmm. big Tom's son, so so yeah, of course a, that that was a it's yeah.
0: It's, it's a, that's the it's a wonderful life scene. It, it always reminds me of the boardroom scene from
1: It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, they're like so. Of course, he needs. To, it's like he has to take on the uh, the burden of saving the company, even though the sales trip, you know, the nuts and bolts of the sales trip is just like you go and meet with these guys and like tell them about your new product. It's like it doesn't it doesn't really need to be Tommy. Like that 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 one of those one of those old guys in the room could have done a better job. But
3: uh, well, that sets up the comedy, the comedic yeah, course, situations. It would it but have a movie, yeah. Yeah, the so I think a lot of it is just to set up the comedy. Like he is kind of you know. There's a progression where he's a bumbling idiot who, you know, has the ability to be like his father, but it's very nascent and and not developed. And then, you know, Mm -hmm. he develops it and is more like him at the end. But I I saw that same thing. But I was also thinking this is kind of like the incel neat question because he's kind of like, you know, a loser who like isn't progressing in life. Although he's not necessarily shown to be, like, bad with women or anything like that. But we've been talking a lot about uh, modern dating recently with uh, stuff going on. I don't know what. But um, uh, it it kind of reminded me of, like, you know, this is the story of, like, an incel who learns how to be a Chad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know and and kind of has to learn how to relax and realizes he already had the ability but he wasn't applying it in the right situation like uh so so that's kind of my take on this is he's kind of like you know um learning to yeah be a chad uh you know through this this odyssey across the country with uh david spain
1: yeah uh, and i think this is kind of what scott was talking about but uh just some themes i you know i have my notes here about themes uh fathers and sons uh nepotism but as a but as a virtuous thing Mm -hmm. Uh, noble blood you know positive traits being passed on to your kids and then the other major one which we haven't touched on yet i just think is uh is like mid midwestern or american decline which Um, and I don't, I don't think, you know, this especially, I I think really they, they wrote, they write the movie to deliver the jokes. They're all setups for jokes basically. But, uh, but the state of things was such that even, even a comedy writer who doesn't necessarily care about like the state of the West or something, uh, had to, was already, you know, was noticing and was aware of, of the Midwest, uh, in a state of decline.
2: Well, yeah, I also think that, like, if you track SNL comedies over time, I just think, like, it is true that they're all delivery mechanisms for jokes and for these stars to give their performances. But I do think that, like, you can see that over the decades, like, the quality of the writers as literary people really goes down. Because I think in all these old movies, even if they're schlock comedies, they'd use, like, really evocative, classic literary templates. Right, because they're, like,
3: simple stories. So they'd pick these classic stories to to kind of shovel in the, the jokes. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and I think, to go back to your question, like, does the story matter, granted, I think, like, I think it does because I think this movie is very enjoyable even when you're not laughing. And I think the reason why is because the story is compelling even when there's not... And there's definitely like modern comedies where like uh, like I would even even Barbie came to mind as like a movie that made me laugh at various points. But when I wasn't laughing, I was like, wait, what the fuck is going on in this retarded, like convoluted story? Like, I can't even really follow it. You know, I, I don't think they're they're good at um, embedding what they want to do in sort of a classic appealing narrative anymore. But what do you what do you think, granted, about the, the does the story matter question?
1: Um, so yeah, I think I, I guess I sort of spoiled what I, my take on that already. But basically, uh, many SNL adjacent movies, it it didn't necessarily matter, but in this one, it it does. Like this, the 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 story on this one makes it a lot more watchable and and makes it watchable even when the jokes and the joke styles, which there's like a very Gen X um, like layer to this. Which is like kind of it's actually kind of off-putting. I I really like Spade, but like, he was he was in a very Gen X mode at this point, and he's still kind of like that, but he's he's evolved as well. But, um, but the story, even if the jokes don't necessarily work as well, um, the story still is compelling for ninety minutes. Like it's you can still watch it, and you kind of you root for him and stuff, even though they, you know it's gonna happen. Yeah, and I, well, I they, think... they, sorry, go ahead.
2: I was just gonna say I think part of Farley's stardom in addition to being like, I think even more than he is funny and he's very funny, he's likable and you want to root for him. And yeah, this, he's like, like super nice. Yeah. This is a perfect story for someone you want to root for.
0: Yeah. What, what I was going to say is about the, uh, about this, the, the story being like taking a, a, a larger role than other SNL movies. I think, um, some some of the making of it, like they uh, they really tried to make this not an SNL movie like it's obviously SNL character or not characters but SNL um, people in it but like there's not like the millions of cameos from other SNL uh, cast members and stuff like the only one is is Dan Aykroyd and he's not really even a cameo he's like a a pretty big part he's like the villain but um um yeah I think. Uh, they they tried to take this one a little bit more serious, and and you can feel it.
1: Is he really the only other SNL guy? I didn't notice that.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I know Rob Lowe was on SNL a lot, but he wasn't a cast member.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Yeah, because those yeah, other cause movies, yeah, they would throw give every guy like at least a you know, thirty seconds or something. Yep. Yeah.
0: But um, that being said. The, the, the idea for the movie or like the the inception of it came from their uh, their time like in the hallways at Thirty Rock, like the way Chris and and uh, and the rest of the crew were were always pranking each other and making fun of each other and stuff. And Lord Michael's really loved Chris and wanted to make a movie for him. So using his his off screen character, which is just himself. So
1: yeah, yeah, I and mean, like. I've I've always been kind of suspicious of Lorne Michaels We're um, not suspicious of him but suspicious of or like dubious about how good he is or whatever at spotting talent. I mean obviously he's selected so many like the top guys through like he kind of defined who was considered who got to be a, a comedian and got to be in movies uh, in, in comedy movies for like 20-30 years um, but at the same time I've always kind of I've had a sense that he's a little overrated in terms of that, but got to give him credit. He, he Mm -hmm. saw the the dynamic dynamic between Farley and Spade and was like, we gotta, gotta, we gotta design something for them. And he assigned SNL writers to come, Mm -hmm. come up with some original stuff. And he made a bunch of special exceptions to let them work on the movie during the season and stuff like that.
2: Yeah, Yeah, And I, I've always said like, uh, or I've always felt like, you know, straight man, is like a very unheralded role. And the way Spade does it, like we were just talking about Chris Rocks or Chris Farley's uh, likability, like David Spade's role in all these movies, not just this one, and even in SNL skits, was to sort of be like the avatar of like a dislikable little fucker. And I think like that's, uh, to lean into that and do that so well, I'm sure it like did take a psychic toll on him, especially because I think off screen, you know, maybe they were, somewhat similar people or like whatever but i have i just think like he he really delivered on all those roles and like did a great job as well
3: and speaking of that i feel like after having like worked in a job now and seeing the movie like i'm like yeah that's exactly how people acted meetings like they're just going off on like specs of something and it's like they don't care like what are you talking about that for you just gotta schmooze them up a bit
0: yeah, and, and I think the the uh, character that they were going for with him was being a a quote unquote uh, quote, smart guy, but not actually smart. Like, like he thinks he's smart, and 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 Chris Farley thinks he's smart, and so in their in their little world, he's like the smart one, but he's not really that.
1: Yeah does does Spade's character even really help? Uh, does he even really? I mean he. You know, it gives him the inspiration of the chicken wings thing, but other than that, is he anything but like discouraging? Well, well yeah, no, he recognizes
2: the talent, and he's yeah, like, that's the important it. thing. Because def- definitely, another beat in this movie could be like if you're looking for conflict, another beat in this movie could be David Spade like trying to undermine or resisting Farley achieving his potential. So, but like, it's interesting, even as they're fighting that he just sort of turns, he sees him sell the waitress or whatever, turn the waitress around. And he just immediately is like, oh, I'm going to help you unlock, uh, unlock this innate ability you have. So I I think like that ends up, I, I think you're sort of led to believe that Chris Farley couldn't have gotten there on his own.
3: Right. And his character arc is he kind of hates him. And then over the course of the trip. Uh, starts hating him more but then kind of recognizes oh you know he is the solution and and you know they have this camaraderie that builds and then um, you know and yeah that kind of speech he gives that is you know that that that's your tearjerker speech right it's very like oh wow look at this because he's like you know you've just got it naturally and you know i have to like work at it or whatever which i think is an interesting concept in in general I don't know if that's in a lot of movies or whatever, but, but
0: yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very much a real life uh, thing. People have to cope with either being naturally good at something and how you deal with that or not being naturally good.
1: Uh, Maybe some of you guys have like worked in sales, but is Tommy actually good at sales. Like I always, you, you know, there's like a thing where it's like, Oh, if you're affable and friendly, then you should go into sales. But it seems like a lot of the best sales guys are actually just like, they're actually not necessarily that friendly. They're just like persistent or whatever. But is, is Tommy good at sales? Hey, Granite, why say no when it feels so good to say yes? <laughs> well, that's exactly why I'm asking, because I would not buy. I I wouldn't fall for that. Like I'd just be like, what? I could take a look up a butcher. And... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I,
2: I sort of think this is a uh, retarded boomer depiction of what. Sales yeah, is and like just maybe... shake his hand. Maybe that worked on them. I don't know. Even the scene. I mean, I'm not holding this against the movie, but even the chicken wing scene, I was like <laughs> chuckling to myself. Like, I have no idea what he did. He just kept babbling like he didn't. There, there's right. actually nothing in the text that makes it make sense for her to be like, oh, I'm no longer. And because actually what he does is he's like really open and honest about how pathetic he is. Yeah. to the Waitress. So like she feels bad. But that's like not the tool he uses in the meeting. But that
3: that would work on a girl, wouldn't it? Potentially. <laughs> She'd be like, but, You're interesting. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's I,
2: what
3: I, I, and I think it's a similar skill set. Like, but yeah, that wasn't the, I agree. Like, I was watching and I'm like, This isn't the best like salesmanship <laughs> skills he's shown off even yet. But like, uh, but just the idea, you know, behind it, I was like, I was on board. But I
0: I think maybe it was supposed to be like just like a vibe shift and like he's settling in and feeling himself and not being like uptight about. He's not like trying trying to say the right thing. He's not a try hard. No, But
3: I mean, the aspect of sales is essentially that like the customer just wants to be reassured that you're not trying to screw them and they're getting a good deal. Mm -hmm. And and so like, really, you just need to check those boxes. All the talking points you have are just a, a way to get there like so yeah i mean to a certain extent it is true like like you know it's not just if you tell them a funny joke they'll buy your product necessarily although maybe there are companies like that but um that's definitely more of a boomer thing like you go golfing and you tell them a joke yeah and then they buy from you i know (laughs) yeah i've had i've
2: had two different cold calling jobs and the the people who were really good at it were just like psychotic bullies like, who could yeah. really, uh, and they weren't, like, they weren't socially incompetent, but they weren't people who, like, in real life, Uh, would, they're the type of people who, like, if they needed to ask a family member for money and it was going to, like, really degrade the relationship, they could do it and, like, not lose any, sl- like, they were just fine pushing someone to a really uncomfortable place and being like, so are you going to give me this fucking money? But that that was, like... <laughs> Selling to strangers for low dollar amounts. And I, I have heard from people that, you know, once you're, once you're selling products that cost a lot of money, I think it might be more schmoozing. It's- no, yeah,
3: it is. When, when you're not trying to fleece poor people out of their money, it's, <laughs> it's much more like, yeah, you're, you're just kind of building relationships. Degree
1: studies, it, it sounds like you're practicing for Christmas. Are you going to give me that money? Are you going <laughs> to give it to me?
2: Yeah, Absolutely gotta make my yearly
1: calls (laughs) is there anyone who can play tommy now
2: lizzo (laughs) yeah lizzo (laughs) that is like not out of the bounds of possibility
1: oh they would do it i wouldn't i wouldn't put it girl oh remaking
3: these movies i mean who's physically funny they yeah it has to be
1: super physical Tommy Boy starring Jenna Ortega.
2: And it it sort of seems like, too, I don't know if this ended with Kevin James or something, but there was often, like you were talking about the crown, like the funny guy crown, which I think exists, but there's also often like canonical funny fat guys. Though maybe that's over. But like if you think in American history, there's often like the top fat funny guy. Um, But I don't know who that is right now. Yeah, I guess it's I Bert I mean, Kreischer. Is that oh, it, it, it might
0: actually. But he's yeah.
3: on—he's
2: on the juice now. He got.
3: Oh yeah, he got too skinny.
1: Is he on Ozempic? Oh, I guess I it
3: something. would be
2: Stavros Halkias.
1: Oh, no. stop! Stav- no. Yeah, that would be awful. But but yeah.
2: Fraser, you said um, you're a med. Why can't you pronounce a Greek name? I was doing it ironically. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> but yeah, maybe it's Tim Dillon.
1: Oh, maybe it oh, yeah. Is. He, he's gay though. So the crowd, the crowd, audience will never relate to him like they would Peter uh, Chris Farley.
2: Yeah, and Tim Dillon's sort of dark. Like, yeah, he's
3: like a shadow, not realm. super likable. No, who's the one guy who got kicked off of SNL? Shane Gillis. Oh,
2: Shane, Shane yeah. Gillis is it? That's he it, would right be there. The Tommy Boy.
3: He's is, it, is he fat enough? He could yeah. add some weight, but actually, I think he would be the new Tommy Boy. Yeah, I Shane would actually Gillis watch Shane Gillis' role in
1: this. Shane's little. He's a little lower energy though, and he's a. Uh, I found another role for him in this movie. It's that guy on the loading dock who's always mean to Tommy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) He looks just as true.
1: He's a
0: little meaner and more critical. That's
3: how you could do it because Tommy lost his virginity to his daughter. You say it's his son or grandson.
1: Oh, yeah. There you go.
3: (laughs) I I say we green light this. Shane Gillis's people hit us up. We've got the script.
1: I think we know people who know Shane, so there we go. Let's do it.
3: Um, do we want to talk about the girlfriends slash wives?
1: Um, yeah, sure. I'll, before we do, I'll say that um, I was listening to. Uh, I think it was Rob Lowe's appearance on Rogan, and he said that when Bo Derek came to set, she showed up with a shaved head, mm-hmm. and that was not, you know, that was not the plan. She was supposed to come with long hair, but apparently she had this husband who was very controlling and possessive. And he thought, well, if I shave her head or make her shave her head right before the movie, because like, he hadn't let her work for like ten years or something like that. And they, this was kind of coming out of retirement for her. And so he I guess he thought if he messed up her messed up her hair that um they would like not want her in the movie anymore or something. Or that or that the other like that you know the other men in the cast wouldn't be attracted to her anymore or something.
2: Hmm. Yeah, now that you that. say that, I, it, it, I I do remember people like my parents being like, "Oh, Bo Derek is back." <laughs>
0: um, yeah, and and uh, apparently that like the first, the first thing she did on set, like the first thing she filmed was the bikini scene. Um, so knowing that story is kind of funny that she was, from what it sounds like, she was uh trying to be convinced not How- to do it by her husband, and then immediately gets in a bikini how old was she
1: Mm, good question i mean
0: apparently she was in her prime like 20 years earlier in like the 70s when she was like in the whole when when chris says she's a 10 she was in a big movie called 10 or something like that where she
3: she was 39 (laughs) years old
1: oh she does she looks older than 39 in the movie
3: yeah, she does, but like I that makes me wonder like how old is like Margot Robbie or whatever. Aren't they like mid thirties? Isn't she girls? like thirty-three
1: or thirty-five or something?
3: She's thirty-three, okay.
1: Um <laughs> and then you yeah, you wanted to talk about the wives and girlfriends. So the other thing about Bo Derek I thought was really funny at the end when she immediately just moves on to the Zelensky guy. And <laughs> she doesn't have to uh, apparently she's not in trouble at all. It's all pinned on Roblo yeah mm-hmm. eternal woman moment
2: yeah i remember i'm not going to be able to repeat it but one of the moments that made me laugh out loud is when Zelensky is dictating the note to send a he's, oh, he's yeah. like send him a bottle of bubbly tough break kid put put the ice on your nuts or whatever yeah this is for your <laughs>
0: nuts like yeah so good yeah
3: dan ackroy <laughs> is actually good in it Good yeah, character. I really and I'd he's really only like in that. it like the end, other than the commercial, right? But like, yeah, he does a good job.
0: And and he's like he's like the villain of the movie, but he's actually like a decent guy. Like his character is like, eh, you got me, but you won't get me next time. And so he's like not vindictive or anything. He's just I, I thought that aspect of his character was kind of fun.
1: Uh, so the other girlfriend, I guess, is um Julie Warner. I forget, her character's name Michelle. Uh. I thought she, she's fine, but the, she's a little bit like Spade where she's got all these like Gen X ways of speaking. Like her, her big moment in the movie is like, you know, when she says, uh, you know, your your I know where you live and your mothers will cry when they see what I've done to you. I don't know if you, do you guys remember that? Do you remember that? Like that yeah. style of like joke or like, I don't know. How well, it was,
2: just... it was a big, I don't know if it predates Farley, but it was a big Farley thing for him to get mad and freak out and do that yelling voice.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: Yeah. Like he would, the van down by the river was him yelling at kids.
1: I don't, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I can articulate it, but there's like this type of like Gen X, like joke or comment. It's like
3: acting super tough.
1: Yeah. 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 Overly. Yeah. That's their main thing. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) That's the thing they do. Um, Does anyone want to guess her race? Her she's, name her real name is Julie Warner.
1: Yeah, so I'm gonna say she's half half Persian, half German.
3: Uh Wikipedia says in, in one sentence, she is Jewish.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. that was gonna be my guess.
1: So that's like a that's like Persian Jew, a Persian German, yeah. <laughs> yeah
3: I, I guess so. I sort
2: of think they nailed it with like with the casting on that. Like it's very treacherous, or I would find it difficult if it's like find a woman. Who is both universally sort of attractive, but people won't be mad if she's dating a big fat guy? And, and like, yeah, I feel like, she's perfect.
1: And you could believe she works at a at a factory. <laughs> yeah, she's very she's you know very which, wholesome.
3: Which joke I laughed at? Uh, speaking of the other girl in the in the movie is the girl at the pool, and he goes, "Oh, you know <laughs> which which way is it? to the gym?" And he's like, "Like, <laughs> I I just I was like, that is a good line." <laughs>
0: One of the best parts about that line is the setup where he's like, Don't do the gym thing,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he does the gym thing. It's also like in 1996, does like a super eight on the side of the highway have a gym? (laughs) Maybe (laughs) like a you know, an elliptical and something, but yeah, everything's
1: weird about it because all the windows face the pool, and this lady like looks around for two seconds, like, Oh, I guess no one's looking, and then but also that he would walk by late at night looking for a gym, like none of it really makes sense. Also yeah, yeah. like
2: a, a topless dip maybe bottomless like never not in a million years.
3: <laughs> also I think I I succumbed to boob blindness on uh on that one for this I was too young to recognize.
1: Well in low resolution it goes by real
3: yeah. fast like yeah VHS you're not seeing much.
1: Yeah I definitely didn't try and
0: pause it at that moment <laughs> at all when I was a kid. Because there's that moment where she's diving in, and it's like, anyway, the, the angle. Yeah, you, r- you guys describe remember, you guys remember
2: the mindset? <laughs> it's like I knew scientifically that, like, if a movie had a certain rating, like I couldn't see boobs, and then, and yet, I thought like maybe they just let it through if I really yep. go slow, frame by frame.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely a skin colored blur. That's about it.
3: You know, another ubiquitous joke is pretending to be a housekeeping, knocking on the door. And I would probably say those lines when I was like way too young to know what that was. Oh, the
1: last part you'd say yeah. that, right? Yeah. Um, and that that joke, I guess, was Spade. That Spade actually did that to to Farley every morning. Oh, that's funny. Because um, Farley, the other you know...
0: the the other, uh, the other uh, masturbation joke was was. Always got me, but but I didn't realize what was going on until I was quite a bit older. When he's like, like I wonder if she goes out with one of the Yankees. Um, <laughs> like, what's your favorite uh, little rascal? Is it Alfalfa or is it Spanky? I'm like, so funny because it, it went, it completely went over my head for probably the first eight years of me watching that movie.
1: Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a bunch of quotes from this movie that like that where people would kids would quote them not even knowing what it meant. Um, But then a lot of stuff its crazy. How much of this stuff just kind of worked its way into everyday language. And I feel like I still hear stuff like that. Like, you know, uh, did I hear a niner in there? Like I've, I've heard that a thousand Mm -hmm. times. Yeah. yeah. They're called doctors. Like that scene alone has like two lines that I've heard thousands of times. But my favorite
0: line of the whole movie is uh, when they're, when they're getting pulled over and they're running around, like the bees are chasing them. And at the very end, he goes. Your firearms are useless against them.
1: Yeah, I've heard that the one a bunch line. of times. I've heard the thick candy shell. You know, it's funny too because uh, Spade is like the unlikable guy, I guess, in the movie. But he gets a lot of the lines that people that people sort of modeled their dumb, sarcastic Gen X personality after his character. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because
0: uh, uh, yeah. Tommy's way more genuine and doesn't have the
2: sarcasm.
1: Yeah, brother. Brothers got a hug. I've heard that one a bunch of times. Oh mm-hmm. well, yeah, I would.
2: I would say that, not even remembering what it was from.
1: Exactly. Would, That's a lot often of these. Say to
2: people, brothers don't shake. Brothers got a hug.
1: Or like, did you? Eat, did you eat paint chips as a kid? Like, I've heard that one a bunch, and the people weren't even trying to. Weren't even probably aware of the movie that they were quoting. Yep. I'm just gonna go on the list of a few more of these quotes, just because. Ketchup popsicle. I've heard that one a bunch. The good look at a T-bone. Don't run away from your feelings when he, you know, mm-hmm. he's in the morning. Like I've heard people say that. I As saw him in
2: the bloopers, he just fully has his ass out and it's funnier. than The <laughs> tiny, uh, the tiny <laughs> underwear.
1: You know, and the, and the, the, the way he says, what'd you do when the car, then the door rips off. Mm-hmm. That's like a normal, yeah, like yeah. people still say that all the time. I can actually hear you getting fatter. I've heard that one tons of times.
2: <laughs> yeah. I think that's been said to me many times. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Crazy how many is there any move, any movies in modern the like, last ten, fifteen years that turned out like that many little quotes that people still well, use? Well, I
2: I don't know if it's within fifteen, but Anchorman is kind of um mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
1: that's how. that's probably more like twenty, I think, but
3: you don't remember the from that uh, Timothy Timothy Chalamet movie? Everyone saying that line.
1: Yeah, are people still? Well, the, I mean,
2: yeah, we need desert power. Yeah, we need desert power. I walk around saying that.
0: <laughs> I am the I mean,
3: Tatarak. To, to be fair, one.
0: they don't really make comedies anymore. I don't know if they've made one in like ten years.
1: Yeah, Netflix has picked up a little bit of that slack. They've done a few of these like ninety 90s style, 90s style comedies, but. It's not the same. Oh,
2: I do try to work in uh, the America Ferrera "What It's Like to Be a Woman" speech into my everyday <laughs> life when whenever I can. Yeah, that's all,
3: what... I quote the female Ghostbusters jokes.
1: Oh, female Ghostbusters reminds me that Farley was slated to do Ghostbusters three. He was. They okay. were gonna. They were gonna re. Not like read launch it, but like just they were gonna do a sequel, a third, and Farley and I don't know if Spade was gonna be involved, but Farley and some of those guys were gonna be in it.
3: Well, I mean, he was at the height of his powers. Who knows what he would have gone on to do? You know.
1: Yeah. Well, he was Shrek. He, he was, was Shrek, Shrek,
3: which which totally revolutionized animation. That's what made 2D go away. Yeah, yeah it's and not. And what Shrek, they... it, Shrek.
0: It's sad because he like. Just based on not like you study his his life or whatever, and there's lots of people that talk about how sad he has sad his life was. But um, Shrek, kind of uh, Shrek, is kind of him, right? Like he's mm-hmm. it's, it, it's kind of like the the whole Tommy Boy was. It, it's very biographical of of him, and but but Shrek is kind of a uh, maybe, obviously a cartoonish depiction of of an someone that feels like an outsider, big ugly guy, but. Everyone knows.
1: Yeah, and they—it's not like he was just going to be Shrek. They had basically recorded almost the whole movie. Um, yeah, with him, and then they—they—they they, they tried to get his brother to come in and finish it. And his brother just didn't want to do it. So they, so we got the what we did, what we got with uh, what's his name, Mike Myers, the Scottish version. So they should—they should, what, they should have added with...
3: Mike Myers in this uh, after the fact. After he died, they should have put Mike Myers in Tommy. Yeah, they should
1: have found a way to work him in. <laughs> mm-hmm. So what?
0: What was with like the repeating theme of like guarantees being bad? Like, what was that all about? Like, can, I did think that was another
2: point? moment where the writing. It's like it's funny because you know when he's selling that guy, what he's what he's trying to say is like anybody can just put a fake guarantee on the box, but like he never states it clearly. He, he is just like babbling and the guy's like, okay, I changed my mind. But yeah, I don't, I don't, I think, I think they're trying to say, uh, if, if I want to give them more credit than is maybe deserved, it's maybe about like the quality of people over like formal meeting, some formal requirement. Like, they're saying, like, okay, these bigger businesses can have some, like, technical check that they pass and put a certification. But, like, you know us. You know the Sullivan family. So, like, you should trust that more. or quality. People. I mean,
0: for sure. But, like, because it came up in, like, the wedding when he, when his dad pitched the guy at the wedding. And then the when he finally makes his first sale. And then also with Zelensky, It's yeah. just kind of odd.
1: Do the Callahans have some sort of a, aversion to guarantees? Like, like, like just it, put the freaking guarantee on there. Like people
3: like yeah. It, if true. it's just
1: a matter of putting it on a box, like why don't they just put it on the box? Because but you can I take a know. poop
3: in a box and slap a guarantee on.
1: Yeah, but I don't get it. I don't, I don't get. You why don't that, get that. I know. I get it, but I, I don't get why that makes like guarantees not good. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I guess they were probably trying to think like, if the idea is like these guys are good but they're not keeping up with the times like what would what would other bigger companies be doing that they might be resistant to do uh and maybe that was what they came up with i don't know
0: yeah yeah it was it was like the the it kind of further set them as like the underdog and like the old school way of doing things
3: also what kind of uh auto parts store had like the ceo talking about it on the on tv
1: do, well, that, do you guys that, remember a company like that that was more like, of a it's not AutoZone. it's not pep boys is it well i don't know if though anyone particularly did that and i don't know if they did it at the national level but local advertisers were always like that
2: you know detroit right, used they, to run this country cool frazier
1: yeah were there guys
3: like that though who were like i'm the guy and i run this company and I I think I there know. were,
2: but maybe longer ago than nineteen ninety six. Yeah, maybe that was like from like
3: the sixties. I like, do
2: think the movie is like a little bit out of time. Like yeah. it, it's pretending to be in the nineties, but it's really about like the seventies yeah. or something. Well yeah,
0: cause you like you look at the all the sales pitches he makes, he's going into like these mom and pop's uh, auto auto parts stores and stuff, and the guys have like these rich mahogany desks and like like it's like very much 80s 90s pre 90s 80s 70s whatever um businessman chic
1: type of thing where they were oh, very those guys thankfully were still running things back then
0: yeah i mean it's cool i i actually really like that part of it i thought it was it was pretty cool to, to have uh
1: yeah i like when they go businessmen to that
0: that cared about that cared about their their offices that way
1: i like when they go to that guy Who's got the like that fat gut, and he's just kind of weird. And he's like, "I'm sorry to hear about your your old man, Tommy." Um, and I was just thinking, we got to get those guys back in power. We we need to make room for them again.
3: Very fat positive.
1: Well, it's a Midwest <laughs> movie.
3: Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of yelling at children.
1: Yeah, the <laughs> uh, the original title of the movie was uh, Billy the, Billy the Third, a midwestern. Really? Yeah, which yeah. they dropped. Lauren Michaels wanted him to drop it because Billy Madison was being produced at the same time. Mm. I actually like that title, but um, Tommy Boy sells better. Mm-hmm.
2: I think it's a pretty good that... title somehow. Yeah. Well, had,
1: had, was that, I mean, I'd never, a Midwestern, like calling something a Midwestern is kind of clever. Like, I don't know if anyone had done that. Maybe they had.
3: Right. But... We need to bring it back. We're gonna do a movie marathon, all Midwesterns. What what other Midwesterns are there? Fargo. Fargo, Fargo.
0: yeah. I don't know. That's
3: it.
2: Th- there's <laughs> gotta be other ones. That says a simple plan.
1: Oh yeah, simple plan's great. I plan to cover that.
3: Isn't that a band?
1: That's where they got their name.
3: <laughs> oh. Well,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Maybe the, oh, maybe we should do our...
3: Newfound Glory, the movie.
1: <laughs> that probably is a movie. Uh, I don't know. i just making that up, but it probably is. If you, I don't know if you guys noticed that Farley's undershirts are often longer than his shirts. Oh yeah. What's what and, they're so all, and they're always like all ruffled up and all messed up. Yeah. Was that some sort of style in the 90s? I don't remember that. Well, one. well 90s was if you all look, about two t- shirts.
0: Oh yeah, layering. And uh, if you look at any of his um, appearances on on like the late shows or or whatever. He's always super unkempt that way, where you can
2: just, yeah. Yeah, I sort of assumed it was just that he's so physical that all his undershirts always come untucked.
3: Yeah, mine are always coming untucked.
2: And do yeah, they hang physical. below your outer shirt?
3: If I'm physical,
1: that's why. <laughs> we've also got another sponsor, which is the Duluth Trading Company, and they have those like untucked tail Yeah, I, I am. <laughs> do I you like
2: think them. Duluth and Croom or ever. <laughs> ever going to be direct competitors or you think their market segments are distinct enough that...
1: Oh, there's... Kroom has an exclusive partnership deal with, with uh, Duluth to distribute... Well,
3: they have that meme, you know, it's like Netflix and chill, but it's Duluth and Kroom. <laughs>
1: yeah, Duluth and Kroom. <laughs> um, speaking of Tommy's appearance, uh, his clothing, I like his jacket. I would love to have that jacket, that this Marquette Rugby jacket. Have
0: you looked for oh, it? Yeah. Yet?
1: I did. I didn't really find any. Um, but he did, did he actually know- played what's that? Yeah. No, just go ahead. Oh, he actually played Marquette Rugby, so
0: um, I wonder if it was his jacket that he was wearing.
2: He I assume
1: it. it was, yeah. That's pretty
0: sweet.
2: Did he graduate from Marquette?
1: Um, he attended, I don't know if he graduated, but he did go there, yeah.
2: Because maybe that's why they were happy to do it. Maybe he was a real, you know, beloved alum.
1: I don't think it's filmed there, though. I think they only filmed in Toronto and LA, so okay. um, so I'm, I don't know what are the rules. You can just like say you're at a, at a place in a movie, right? You don't have to get their permission.
3: I'm gonna Google right now, uh, <laughs> can you say you're at a university when you're not actually there in a movie?
0: <laughs> so one thing that i remember i i misheard as a kid and until like very recently i didn't realize when he's doing that speech in the in the diner when he says the um jojo's the idiot uh, circus boy yeah i always thought he said indian circus boy so i was like is that like a, a were there indians in the circus is that like some type <laughs> of racist thing i can't I, I, for like my whole life i thought it was like some racist thing is this uh, is this the
3: best road trip movie?
1: I'm gonna say no because there's so many, but I don't have a better one in mind. Let me think.
0: Hmm. Road trip movies. That's
3: a lot of road there's trip. Road trip, trip. road trip. Your road trip. Oh brother, where art thou?
1: Is that a road trip movie? Yeah. It's Odyssey. a. It's a. It's a quest movie, but it's not like a.
0: Like I'm thinking, like because part of the yeah, part of what makes this
1: movie. But what, what what makes this movie so great
0: is the the music. Like well, that's one of the standout things, and it's like a road trip type of uh,
1: singing the songs together.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm looking at some websites. Do They're saying, "Do all you guys the know
2: what was the Spanish song they were singing?" That made me too. Tell us okay. about it. I guess I should know that song. It is
3: to una sonrisa en la mañana. <laughs> that's a, a smile in the morning.
2: Who's who is you? that? Who is that by?
3: Oh, I actually don't know. I just know <laughs> it from this movie. But <laughs> oh, okay, it's a good song. It is is two by Mocha. What is it? Mocha Dades.
1: I I know I had heard that move that song. Like on like adult contemporary radio or something. And the whole gag though with like those songs is something Spade did in real life. He would have like carpenters in his tape player. So when people came in his car, he would be blasting that uh, as like a as a bit, I guess.
0: That was like me in high school. I uh, drove my dad's like '95 F150, and the tape deck had Simon and Garfunkel stuck in it. So I, all I had Let's was one go. side, one side of a Simon and Garfunkel uh, tape. It was it was actually pretty awesome.
2: What songs were on it?
0: Um, there was a. Uh, like Mrs. Robinson. I think I think it was actually like a best of one of their best of tapes. So Yeah. Like all those all their good ones.
2: So granted I'm I'm briefly googling best road trip movies and uh Midnight Run comes up. Okay. Dumb, yeah. and, dumb and Dumber. Um
0: Dumb and Dumber's good. That, that that's a good road trip movie.
2: The Muppet movie. Oh, and National Lampoon's Vacation. These are some good Mm -hmm. ones. Yeah. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, and Planes, Trains, and Automobiles would probably be the one I would choose. Mm.
1: Yeah. I might not count that one because that's like an involuntary road trip. But It's a a rich category, the road trip movie.
2: Do Zoomers drive around and sing?
1: They don't have licenses. (laughs) And uh, gasoline is more expensive. And like the only car like the the low end cars now are like pretty expensive,
3: yeah, do high schoolers drive
0: anymore?
1: I honestly rarely see it,
0: I do, but
1: you' are yeah you live in a more probably a place with more teens, but
0: yeah, like there's some teens in my neighborhood that all they all have like these old like nineties and eighties pickup trucks and stuff it kind of, it kind of makes me nostalgic, but um, yeah, maybe it's a special case.
1: I do think it's way down. I mean, there's obviously going to be some, but I think the idea of it being a teenager and driving around. Also, the big thing is phones. Like, car was freedom for us. And it's, uh, I saw a survey. A lot of teens would much rather have a phone than a car.
2: Well, yeah, I think, I think for our generation, it took till like 30 to realize the whole planet was just one big prison. And I think younger (laughs) people know that by the time they're like 10. Right. (laughs) prison planet
3: um yeah i i agree that, that watching this movie now is is like a tragedy because it's a of a time long gone that we will never have again and uh so yeah i wonder i do wonder what the zoomer take would be but yeah very cozy it doesn't exist anymore there's all those small towns all those businesses are gone
2: yeah, like in the real uh, life version of this movie, right after they go out of those sales meetings, like a a Walmart. Clinton a Clinton yeah. NAFTA advisor comes in and is like, "You got to buy brake pads from Tokyo, baby." <laughs> yeah, these brake pads are not right, or whatever.
1: Yeah, I was thinking as well after the after Tommy saves the plant, it like ends up closing six months later anyway.
3: Yeah, because China <laughs> sold Chinese brake so,
0: pads. So speaking of it being a tragedy, I think. Um, I like to break down movies based like their plot points and like the inciting incident and like the lock-in and stuff the uh the main tension being that they uh were trying to save the company by selling brake pads um it actually was a tragedy because they failed in the end and and all the stuff that they did to save it was all just third act tension stuff so uh yeah it technically was it was a tragedy because they they failed
3: My buddy got um, a word in, uh, what's it called, Um, Urban Dictionary, Fatletic, (laughs) where you're fat but also athletic. Oh, that definitely fits. People love that still. I've seen TikToks of fat people dancing and stuff, but like they're good at it, you know?
2: No, it's very satisfying. We had a couple real fat kids in our high school who were great athletes and, like, For some reason, that was so much more fun than just, like, a really in shape guy being a great athlete. Oh, yeah. My
0: my high school was, like, 15% Polynesian, and that's, like, all of them. They're, like, Mm. super big and many of them overweight, but they're, like, the best athletes in the school.
1: Love to do little Michael Jackson dances.
0: (laughs) Is that a Polynesian thing?
3: They love just hip-hop and and black culture.
1: Any of those like fast foot movements that like that like Farley could do. Oh yeah. Um, Is he
3: comically fat enough? Like, would people be like, "Oh wow, people were so skinny in the '90s" because Chris Farley was hilariously fat?
1: Well, I had a I had a a, one of the bigger tweets I've had in a while, just joking that uh, Brian Dennehy and uh, Farley were considered comically large back then, and. They're like, not. they don't look that big. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw, do I think saw like that tweet today, and was offended. <laughs> he is, I think people knew even at the time that Chris Farley was like a handsome, fat guy. But at the time, he was so fat that it, <laughs> that it like didn't come up. Whereas like now, I think people really would just be like, look at this overweight, handsome guy.
3: Well, he supposedly got chicks IRL. But yeah, he carried a lot of weight in the jowl region, which some fat <laughs> people don't
2: right yeah he was a fat guy and this is like this is slowly happening to me so i'm super aware of it where like when they would close up on his face his features are just bunched in the (laughs) middle of like this giant flesh (laughs) watermelon and like there's something very comical about that yeah
1: Yeah. spade even said farley says uh does this jacket make me look fat and spade says no your face does
3: (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i saw like when he was like running with like at the, the school in the like first scene. I'm like, yeah, I guess he's not that fat.
0: Dude, the one of my favorite parts is when the guy cowers. <laughs> when he's oh yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> so that was good.
1: <laughs> uh on SNL he did like ice skating and he was pretty good. He could like skate mm-hmm. on one skate. Oh
3: and the, the dance with uh what's his face? The Chippendale
1: thing. Chippendale thing. Yeah. The Bob Odenkirk hates.
2: Mm. Uh, Wait, why does Bob Odenkirk hate it? He just I felt like her. it
1: was like making fun of, it was like crossing a line, like it was it was uh too humiliating. He thought it was mean, which was I don't like know, that's I, weird because he mean to looks, Farley.
0: Like,
3: it kind of looks yeah. great, like yeah, it's like amazing.
1: Well, the thing too, so Odenkirk was a he was like a writer at mm-hmm. SNL at the time, it, like, and I think he probably knew which Farley right. Farley, farley actually
3: was sensitive about it yeah he
1: of. actually like the a lot of what he was doing was like to overcompensate for the fact that he was ashamed so yeah. right
0: that's a thing that happens
1: yeah and, and that what, what's
0: that speaking of his weight was like after this movie and then he he really ballooned up he he lost or he kind of went off the rails even more obviously mm-hmm. like we kind of know his his story after leaving snl and and stuff but um yeah, there's there's moments where you see him, and he has just like gotten huge, comparatively to uh, Tommy Boy.
1: Yeah, he got he got a lot bigger, and people would note that his you know skin was like gray and stuff. It was a uh, rough.
3: Oh yeah, he wasn't just eating.
1: Nope.
2: There's a clip, the most impressive physical thing I've seen him do. There's a clip where he like runs on the ice at a Blackhawks game or something. Uh, as like a bit between periods and he's like falling and sliding around the ice and it's like so funny but very athletic it's like an incredible little clip yeah my it, favorite he...
0: my favorite fall of his was i think it was like jay leno or something where he comes out and he like falls on the stage and he like skids on his face like his feet are up in there it, like he commits to the fall it, it's impressive
3: yeah. yeah so is this the tragedy of the clown what's that uh
1: Pagliacci or whatever. Yeah, Pagliacci.
3: Just cuz he obviously like yeah, he would he had a sad core and he would overcompensate by trying to make everyone else happy. But then he supplement that with like cocaine and whatever he was doing.
0: Yeah, and I'll be honest, like watching some of the some of his appearances on on the like being interviewed and stuff, it was hard to watch. I had to turn him off cuz he was like hmm. you could tell he's trying so hard to be likable. And like he's playing this this really dumb character and I kind of felt a little bit what uh Odenkirk was saying where it's like man this is a, a tragedy right in front of us like he's he's uh I don't know he's so insecure you can tell he's, he's trying so hard to be somebody else and now I'm all depressed Scott now well and the, old, and yeah.
1: the, the hosts and stuff in those scenarios felt they had like permission to just like ridicule him to his face when they would have I'm sure they had other like fat guests who, who whose identity was not being a fat guy, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't call it, they wouldn't make fun of those people. But
0: well, it's kind of like David Spade had license to do it because they're like best buds, and yeah, and he, and he did it on the, the big movie and stuff. But then I think that kind of gave maybe undue license to everyone else. Mm.
2: Well, yeah, I do know even from my own, like, I think it's a uh... I don't know. I don't want to compare myself to, to Farley or like the sad clown archetype, but I do notice that like if self-deprecation is a part of your humor, you will sometimes encounter people. Like most people are very good about just like laughing about it and they're like, oh, this person doesn't take themselves too seriously. And they like enjoy it and move on. But some people will be like, Oh, this guy's mocking himself then like all just like double down on mocking him. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, yeah. "No, that's not what. I'm not like flying a flag that says everyone can shit on me. Like that's not." Yeah. Uh, but some people do have that response to if you if you do any kind of self-mockery and then you really have to like police it, which I imagine, you know, if your career is self-mockery, then setting up any kind of boundary becomes even more complicated. Right. Doomed yeah, to fail almost.
1: Yeah, in, in another universe, we would have had um, Farley. You know, maybe getting—he he was always probably going to be a big guy, but in another universe, he maybe slims down a little bit, and then he gets to do like Oscar bait movies that uh, that so many of these comedians do. Yeah, he um, probably would have. Yeah, and he would have too, because he was a—he was a good actor. He was a compelling screen presence. Like when You're he was trained
3: being, in um, Chicago improv, right? Yeah, right. What what could have been Chris Farley's uncut gems? well they or punch drunk love
1: right? yeah or or truman show or something like that like mm-hmm. you know they um david mamet was working on a fatty arbuckle movie some old old hollywood big guy and and farley was supposed to play that role which I, I assume that would have been like a serious type of movie um but yeah i mean if farley was still around he would have he would have had that that opportunity i think
0: for sure i mean he he kind of had some acting chops in tommy boy like
1: um mm-hmm.
0: on the on the dinghy with with his girlfriend starting to cry, tear up and stuff like he, he was showing off a little bit some some acting skills
1: yeah I think he, I think he's compelling he could have done it um and and a lot of comedians have proven that it's much easier for a comedian to to learn to act than the other way around mm-hmm.
2: yeah sure. it's very there is a tragic component where it's like now it's a normal thing to take uh like fat losers who aren't chad. And like try to give them a shot at being Chad, like I'm thinking of like Jonah Hill or somebody. But like <laughs> yeah. Chris Farley, weirdly, like actually was Chad. Like, and it yeah. seems like maybe he didn't know it and was like tortured by, or at least on some it. level
3: he didn't. Yeah, uh, but I feel I, it. You know, I
2: think he he did weirdly like at times cross into like alpha charisma. Right, because he, like... he
3: owned the room wherever he went, and he was you know the funniest guy in the room, which kind of makes you the Chad, right? Like, and it, it wasn't in, from a, a place of weakness, like some people would do, like self deprecating, like a Jonah Hill, who's like, oh, I'm a sad fat guy, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Like, and and uh, apparently he, <laughs> uh, Chris got chicks, right? Like he he yeah, yeah, he yeah didn't have problems in the in the woman department we should
3: read jonah hill's texts to that uh surfer girl
1: <laughs> well i will say there's a caveat on getting chicks when you're famous which is that that's true sure they'll let you do it when you're a celebrity they'll let you do it
3: um no but he's charming he's, yeah he, he,
1: he could he could have gotten women in a normal setting too
3: yeah no and that's the, back to my incel point like i kind of want the the incel losers who we're friends with you guys know who you are um <laughs> I, I want them to watch this and be like, look, if you just learn how to be not a uh, stick in the mud and not, like, a lamo who's, like, always on his phone listening to emo rap. <laughs> uh, Like, you can go and talk to girls and, like, charm them and get them. It doesn't matter
2: what you look like. Yeah, like, yeah but these people don't want to be helped, Frasier.
3: No, mean. I know. It's very weird because, like... You know, there's the hormones, the microplastics. That's like taking away their gender. You know, I don't know what they're doing, but <laughs> sensitive, anyway,
1: sensitive young men need to be working on their pratfalls. Yeah, they need to they need to perfect the the cartwheel.
3: <laughs> well, like the I think one of the things he did that was funny was the crashing of the cars. Like I I don't know, like, <laughs> like I feel like there's there's like I don't know, like you can move beyond your looks, like. You know who is the new Chris Farley is uh one egg white, Eggy. <laughs> Although he might be is he dead is it, or is he still around?
2: No, he's uh, still he's still kicking. Where's he at? I haven't seen him. I I don't have like a status uh-huh. update. I just know he's not he's kicking. dead.
1: Right. <laughs> well, that no, that's instructive though. It's like if you are a certain way, you you need to find a thing or things to to do and to to talk about or something like you need to be out there doing a thing.
3: Yeah. Yeah. So all you incel loser freaks listening right now.
1: Which is most of the audience, I think.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Go watch this movie and learn how to get chicks. The
2: first thing you need to do is order some chrome. The second <laughs> thing you need to do <laughs> is get is that long tail to lose. Study, study the, con- the canon of Chris Farley. Yeah.
1: Everything changes once that chrome hits
2: pheromone infused, right?
1: Uh, yeah, they've got testosterone. It's in the it's in the cream. Perfect. So it's absorbed topically absorbed testosterone. Um I am going to hit a I'm going to hit some just uh, did you know factoid stuff. Um it was shot during the SNL season, which I think they normally don't do. And so Farley and Spade would have to be in New York from like Wednesday to Saturday or something like that. For all the rehearsals and the show and then they would get on a private plane that was apparently kind of small go back to toronto and, you know film on sunday and monday and tuesday or something like that and then go back which uh you know they, i guess they were kind of young but that sounds torturous to me um which i guess that's where you know cocaine becomes you start relying on cocaine uh Oh, I already said the Carpenter song thing. Oh, the cow tipping. Oh, and we actually we talked earlier about like watching it as an adult. You might appreciate like Spade's performance more, but I also appreciate Rob Lowe's performance. He's funny too. He's yeah, just 100%. Not, he's just not doing like a funny character, but he's he's funny in how like a uh, how, how evil he is. The um, cow tipping was his idea. And the, huh. the people making the movie, like director or whatever, didn't even know what it was. He had to explain it to them.
3: Yeah, I, We tried to do it years. once, me and my group of friends. Oh, yeah. I, I did,
1: too. Yeah, I was at, like, a camp, a church campout thing. Same. It was, yeah, and there was, like, a cow field not that far away, and we, like, snuck off and tried to do it.
2: Yeah, that I was think, the night Adam if, fell in the fire. I don't know if this was adult propaganda, but I feel like some adult told me that, like, the cows have to be shot. Like, they can't <laughs> get up or something. That's not true, right?
1: Uh, I don't think it's true, but... I remember Maybe
3: hearing like a, a factory like feed cow. I heard that it's just not possible, and that was the joke.
1: Yeah, it's not possible because aren't they like what, 2,500 pounds or something? Yeah,
3: like you can't tip them. So you just run and you, then they chase you. <laughs> like you try to tip them, they wake up and they chase you off.
1: The, uh, the deer on the car, they had made an animatronic deer, but it looked bad. So they just had a guy in the back seat wear like a deer thing over his body. Um... He freaks out and tears the car. And then at the end, when they have a real deer standing on the car, and Scott, I think you I think you listened to the same making of thing that I did, and I was not a little unclear about this, but it sounded like the animal trainer said, like, you're going to have to leave this car here for multiple weeks at a time and leave, like, food on it. And at one day the deer will feel comfortable walking on top of the car, and that's when you get your shot. I don't know exactly how they did that, how they timed it, but um, that's what they did. I didn't hear that one. And then um, some more stuff about Farley. He started Second City in Chicago the same day as Colbert. He also
0: uh, died at the same age as Belushi. Yeah. 33. Uh,
1: Farley's cousin is the CEO of Ford Motor Company. And Farley's dad was like an oil executive, too. And Farley's dad was even, he was significantly larger than Farley himself. He was, he was and he was big tom farley yeah right? well that's a weird thing too some of the a lot of the movie is vaguely kind of like tommy or uh, like chris's real life yeah i mean
0: it's midwest it's a uh, dad in like a kind of a at least adjacent auto industry thing um anyway yeah, yeah. he worked for his for his dad after college for a bit
1: yeah, and I don't know if this was just like drug addict cope or something, but allegedly one one of Farley's relapses was a result was on opening night of Black Sheep because he hated the movie so much.
0: Right, and his family tried to get him to not do uh, Beverly Hills Ninja.
1: Oh, really? Why, why? What was the reason for that?
0: Because it was bad. it was
1: just. I like the movie though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I actually
0: think that movie holds up better almost. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's better than Black Sheep probably.
3: Yeah. Um, the car was a 1967 Plymouth satellite GTX badged. I looked up uh auction history, they sell for about like nineteen twenty thousand, 20,000, like oh. in mint condition,
1: wow. cher- oh, cherry condition.
3: Yeah,
2: maybe I need to check that out.
3: Well, I looked, I looked up uh, there was there was like one or two that went up to like 60,000, but I don't know what it was about them. But
2: it's probably the car from Tommy Boy, yeah, probably. <laughs>
1: The uh, you know, in the airplane when Spade is like doing the goofy reading of the flight instructions or whatever. Yeah, oh yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't help but think that's just like how Southwest is normally now. <laughs> that's like what airline. That's how. That's how they behave now, anyway. So except for
0: he, you uh, called them uh said, "What was it? If you can't buckle a, a seatbelt, I'm gonna come hit you with a tack hammer because you are a retard." <laughs>
1: that's not too far off from how some of these Southwest ladies are they uh, <laughs> they all want to be comedians huh. I need to fly more I guess um okay that's like all my stuff anyone else got anything
3: if they recast it I think they should put zazy beats as the love interest
2: <laughs> so lizzo and Zay-Z?
3: yeah a lizzo zazy uh pair up I was gonna try to think of more of a a clever uh, in for this week, but I it didn't come to me. <laughs> I've I've been using too much chrome. I can't really think straight.
1: Well, uh, you need we'll need to tell the research team because creme's supposed to help your cognitive abilities.
3: Well, I've been rubbing it all over my face.
1: <laughs> there's, yeah? There's there's just creme all over my office now. <laughs> this stuff gets everywhere.
0: I got it stuck in my keyboard. So what is your guys' favorite uh, um, little rascal? Oh, I thought you were going to say flavor of cream No, what's your favorite little <laughs> rascal? Flavor.
3: I mean, you're not supposed to eat it, right? I haven't eaten it.
2: Mine I is like, like bar- Yeah, mine is barbecue. <laughs> barbecue crume. <laughs>
1: These that's a good idea. Yeah, we'll release Kroom and, and barbecue.
2: Barbecue Crome. <laughs> I don't uh, think I to answer your question, Scott. I don't think I have a favorite little rascal. But uh,
1: my my favorite little rascal is uh, Trump when he appears in the Little Rascal movie.
2: Yeah, let's right.
3: go.
1: Which I think they edited out for some versions.
3: Yeah, like for sensitive viewers. Will a Will a Zoomer
1: enjoy it? Um, prob- probably. It's fine. Like, it's pretty even. I
2: think they would, because it's just such, like, an enjoyable lead performance. But I do assume that movies like this, for them, like, might as well be based in an alien planet. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't imagine what a 20-year-old thinks about the idea of driving around to sell brake pads. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Although I will say I got a new sound system
3: for my uh, home theater, and uh, it makes watching movies a lot better. I'll just say that. So do it, Zoomers. Buy, spend money on your media consumption.
2: Yeah, it really helps when you're freeze framing that side boob scene.
3: <laughs> well, that <laughs> audio does help. You can really
2: hear them clapping. Yeah, there's no, there's yeah, no swinging problems. in the wind. <laughs>
1: There's uh, there's no Tommy Bay, Tommy Boy 4K,
2: <laughs> yeah, no criteria. Yeah, I'll, I'll be the
0: first one to buy the 4K edition.
3: Yeah, Scott is a pro <laughs> at that. He knows exactly the timestamp. stamp.
1: <laughs> there's a laser discs are only like ten bucks on eBay, so someone could grab one of those.
3: Well, it's on uh, it, Max, formerly HBO. Yeah, and, that's what I watched it on.
2: Yeah, so it seemed HD at the very least yeah yeah so ladies out there not only am i an early crew investor i uh i spring for max every month you know <laughs> wow yeah, well that
1: gonna... from some of the like green text i've read or whatever that actually apparently moves the needle imagine if she comes over and you have to like watch something on plex she'd be really mad
2: oh really no it's got
3: all the same movies look and and you, and you can have whatever subtitles you want in any language
2: I had a girl, there there have been like think pieces written about this, but I had a girl go on one date with me, text with me a bit, get my Netflix login, and she was watching bullshit on there for like six months before I <laughs> figured out how to change my password.
3: You cut her off, though.
2: I did. I have a lot of self-respect. Yeah. That's the thing about me. <laughs> I said six months, that's enough.
1: <laughs> on to the next girl. Um, Okay, I'll cut it off there. But uh, thanks to our sponsors, Shaolin AI and uh, Kroom, products for men. Um, Until next time, we'll see you later, guys.
2: All right, take care, gentlemen. Adios. See ya.